0: Check the mic
1: and make sure it sounds right, boys. Hello and welcome back to another edition of The Throwdown. It's actually the season finale of The Throwdown. I am your host, Zach, joined by Alex and Connor, as usual. Say hi, guys. Howdy, howdy. Hello. All right, you, you like I just said season finale we're gonna wrap up our first season here episode 37 we made it past the draft and all that today's episode is pretty straightforward we're gonna be reviewing the draft giving our takes on the draft we're also gonna be looking at some of the off-season moves that have already occurred and also look forward to the free agency and see who we think is gonna move elsewhere but we're gonna start with your biggest basketball news first of all uh, unfortunately we do have to report that NBA former NBA player, and produced standout, Caleb Swanigan, died at the age of 25. Uh, this past Monday, uh, June 20th, from the uh, Allen County Coroner's Office in Indiana, uh, Swanigan died at the hospital. He had a tremendous basketball career in his home state of Indiana. He won a state championship with his high school, and it was his high school's first state championship. He became Indiana's Mr. Basketball in 2015. Eventually, he was committed to Michigan State, but then decided to go play for Purdue. At Purdue, he won Big Ten Player of the Year in 2017, first-team All-American, and along with that, a conference record of 28 double-doubles. He also helped lead Purdue to the Sweet team. In the NBA, Swanigan was drafted 26 overall by the Trailblazers in 2017, traded to the Kings in 2019, and then traded back to Portland before COVID hit. Swanigan opted out of the bubble, which ended his career. He only averaged 2.3, 2.3 points and 2.9 rebounds in 75 games. A tweet from Purdue says, quote, devastated our thoughts and prayers go to Caleb Swanigan's family. And friends, the world lost a gentle soul last night. Love you, Biggie. Now, quick note, Biggie was a childhood nickname as Swanigan was a large child. So, um, guys, thoughts and prayers to his family, but such a really young age go. Yeah, it's a very
0: sad story. I mean, um, you know, he was gaining a lot of weight once he left the league and you could tell there was a lot of like personal stuff that he was dealing with. Um, I, I think this story in general kind of taken it away from the basketball sense. I mean, he was a good player in college and high school and stuff, but I think the more important story we take out of this is, uh, to make sure that we, you know, pay attention to people with mental health issues Uh, It's a very, you know, it's gotten more talked about in years, but honestly, like this is one of those case scenarios where uh, if you look at his pictures from when he was in the league to a year later, he gained Mm -hmm. over 100 pounds, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that comes from depression. So uh, if, you know, anybody's listening or whatever, you know, we're here for you, Uh, you know, just try to keep a bright smile and, uh, you know, everything will get better. Uh, so yeah, if you're, if you got mental health stuff, call, call the mental health lines and stuff. So yeah, I think that's our biggest note we take away from this, honestly.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it's really sad. And at the end of the day, the one thing I hated was there were a lot of people once that if you saw, they posted, they were posting like a picture on social media of him before, before, like what a month before he died or two months before he died, a picture of the drastic weight change. And then a lot of people were making some really serious, nasty comments towards him. And now that he passed away, it's kind of, it's really sad. Like
0: you know, like, uh, you know an a hole, honestly.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it's it's really sad when you look at it too, because then it's like in order you kind of reflect back on it like he must have been going through something that caused such a drastic change like that and he obviously was dealing with a lot of mental health problems and i'm pretty sure uh when people start posting stuff like that damian lillard spoke out too publicly about it and like we're telling Mm -hmm. people like on social media telling people stop being disrespectful you don't know what he's going through he could like and the problem is like he was obviously that way change was part of like this this he had this mental health problem, and also he was just on this dark path. Obviously, yeah, things were going wrong in his life right now for him. And the sad thing is, is that it kind of showed a lot of people's true colors. I feel in terms of how they treat NBA players and stuff like that, when and athletes mm-hmm. in general, when they don't know what's going on with them to cause this drastic change in their lifestyle and especially their weight. And I really feel bad for not only Caleb Swain family, just just for the overall situation, it kind of reflects poorly on our society as
1: well.
0: Mm -hmm. It
1: it, it does. Uh, Depression does take on many forms. Uh, We didn't know what he was going through uh, on a personal level. The only thing that the coroner's office did put out is that he died from natural causes. So this wasn't a suicide attempt, but we know that depression Mm -hmm. can take on many ways and like having terrible thoughts about yourself can take on many ways. So, um, It's just a really sad, tragic news. Uh, A lot of a lot of support going out to his family and his friends. So Um, unfortunately, we do have to do a hard switch uh, back into some NBA news. Uh, The Charlotte Hornets have hired Steve Clifford as their new head coach. This is going to be his second stint with the franchise. Clifford is pretty familiar since he coached the Bobcats slash Hornets from 2013 to 2018. Until they parted way after the 17-18 season. Clifford's last coaching gig was with the Orlando Magic from 2018 to 2021. During that time he went 96 and 131, but he had two playoff appearances during that time. So guys, um, good move to bring back in someone who now that there's talent on the team, maybe it'll be different this time. Or do you think that uh the Hornets should have just kept looking? I say
0: keep looking because, honestly, you think of Clifford's run, you know, you think of how he basically wasted uh, Kemba Walker's career in mm-hmm. uh, the Hornets. I, I just feel like, honestly, it's a terrible move. Uh, you got to move on from the past. And I, I know they had Atkinson and yep. and he... he ended up to go back with the Warriors. But I think you needed somebody more young and vibrant, um, that has experience and I think getting a guy like Clifford you already failed with them and it's not like you had him there as an assistant coach or you even had him there for like only a year or two and then gave up on him you had him for a substantial amount of time and it's like you're just going back to you know what was you know not really successful And when you go to his Orlando time, did we see any development or growth from that Orlando team? I don't think so. Uh, What do you guys think? Do you think that was a smart move? Because honestly, I I just feel like uh, it was a wasted opportunity for them to get the uh, coach that could help develop uh, Lamella Ball.
2: Well, first off, I just want to point out because the one thing that pissed me off about all this was that they had kenny atkinson and then he pulled back from it yeah that pisses me off just because from that standpoint as well you know his time when kenny was coach of the nets it was like he struggled for a couple years then he had a solid year and then he struggled again but he kind of learned after these couple years as being an assistant and he just came off a championship run with the warriors but it it just that pissed me off just because i'm looking as like a lot of coaches have gone on being a head coach for a few years, struggling, going back to an assistant role, and then their second stint actually turns out to be successful. Mm-hmm. And they actually learned from that, from their mistakes previously. And you want to build your legacy as a head coach. I think they actually had a great choice for Penny Atkinson personally. And then I think that kind of screwed them up. And they did get, I think they got desperate. I think they got desperate on yeah. who they had to hire for this situation. I didn't like the selection. If anything, I would have personally, kind of, you know, you, you. I know, Connor, you're saying going young, but honestly, a guy that I would have like maybe considered trying to go after is Quinn Snyder. I would have probably considered that more because you know what? Yeah. He might be well, in what in his mid fifties, but he actually has a successful track record and in, in, in terms of making the playoffs, whether it's going far or not, it doesn't matter. He actually knows what how to develop certain guys too, and actually he would be a perfect coach for a guy like LaMelo Ball, and that would be the kind of – he wants a new change. That would have been the perfect new change. But I think the Hornets got a little desperate in this situation, and they made a choice that, for all we know, could lead to possibly LaMelo Ball leaving in the next few years. Yeah,
1: definitely. It it wasn't the best choice, but given that Atkinson did pull out – uh, mm-hmm. this might, but this might be a one year stint. Honestly, he might be yeah. in between guy between. All right. From their previous head coach to the new head coach. They're like, all right, Clifford knows the franchise. He knows what to expect. If we can get by for one year and then get someone that can really work with the guys that we got, you know, that, that's not the end of the world, but honestly, the Hornets are so close to breaching that playoff bubble that mm-hmm. i this was not the best move for the franchise and for the I mean, for the team they already got so they i i think for me it's like going back to someone it's like yeah that's like the easy option but it's not the best yeah. option so i i'm just kind of annoyed that they're not pushing harder and like trying to interview more assistants and stuff trying to just get someone new into there so that way at least they could work with LaMelo Ball and uh, Miles Bridges and like work with the young guys on that team but Um, really quickly, let's get into this story. It's kind of a bit of a kicker. We're going to be talking about the draft more in depth, but during the draft on Thursday, Stephen A. Smith. Had a pretty long meltdown on live TV as the New York Knicks traded out of the first round. So the Knicks originally had the 11 pick overall and a lot of fans, including Stephen A. Smith, who is a native of the Bronx, were hoping that they would draft a good prospect. Now, the Knicks did draft Uzumane Dane. Great. But then immediately shipped them off to Oklahoma City. The Knicks, in return, got three conditional first-round picks. Stephen A. Smith, during the telecast, said, We have seen shot blockers drafted. We've seen athletes drafted. We've seen shooters drafted. We've seen point guards drafted. We've seen everything drafted, but the Knicks didn't draft anybody. Guys, Um, we'll, we'll, we're we going to mention this. This is a spoiler alert, but we're going to mention this again. But um, the Knicks, I feel like at this point, are just being the Knicks at this point. It, mm, yeah. It's what they Ooh. do. Mess up, baby. <laughs> it's not win, Ooh. baby, win. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's just such a
2: tricky situation. The one thing I loved about Stephen A was then all of a sudden you see all over social media, like Spike Lee coming to comfort <laughs> him. Like, just the whole situation. And then after, like, the next day, uh, you know, he says to Kendrick Perkins on, on live TV that... The Knicks are, which in his, which was funny that he had to say it, but he said the Knicks are worse than the Dallas Cowboys right now. <laughs> like it was like his way of taking a shot at the Cowboys yeah. too for no reason. But, but uh, one thing was that he he even said too, which was funny that he was never he's not going to a Knicks game at all next year. Which we'll see how long that holds up for him. I I don't know. I don't know. He probably will let that slip and go to one at least. But he mm. he he just took like a certain reaction to it, but. I, I I think the Knicks completely messed up, but at the same time, you know, do they have what 11 picks, 11 first rounders over the next 7 years? Yes, they're kind of turning into the they're the second version of the o of Oklahoma City <laughs> Thunder here, but mm-hmm. I'd rather trust OKC with their picks than the Knicks right now.
1: Yeah. The difference uh, is I, we know the Thunder can actually build a winning team. We don't know about mm-hmm. uh, about the Knicks, but uh, Connor, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I think one that says a lot about Ding as a player, Um, you know, if they're able to give away three first rounders, you know, and I feel like as the Knicks, that's a positive stint to look at. You know, oh, yeah, we get those three picks, but your team really needed to just get a player, you know, just get some new blood in there, especially at the point guard position. You know, you had the failed experience experience of Kemba Walker. Uh, You know, what are you going to do at that point guard position? And I think they should have gone with a guy there or maybe traded back. You know, I I just feel like trading out of the draft in general was just a bad move. Uh, And now that put them in a position where, you know, how are they going to improve this team going anywhere, you know, forward? Uh, you know, it's just the same team. And the whole point of this year was to kind of do a slight rebuild and not do a whole rebuild. But by doing a move like this, and not drafting anyone, you're putting yourself in a position where you're going to have to do a full rebuild in yep. like the coming year or two.
1: Yeah, um, maybe maybe there's something the Knicks know that we don't know. Maybe they uh, have a point guard that they're going to grab, and that's why they ship the pick away. But that's the conspiracy theory in me, where it's like, ooh, the Knicks, the Knicks are up the up to something. But then well, again, yeah, it's the Knicks, the Knicks I mean so that. it's like, hmm. They're maybe they'll to, get Kyrie now. Ooh, they'll get party. like Kyrie or Wessel Westbrook or. Anyways, regardless, I I feel like the Knicks maybe have bigger plans, but also like this is just a bonehead move. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe we'll be wrong in like a year or two and be like, oh well, that that was a secret. That was such a good move, Knicks. But I doubt points. it.
0: If they use these picks for like Donovan Mitchell, we'll look, you know, like exactly. idiots. But I mean, but we're yes, going exactly. off but right unless, now. Yes, you know,
2: yes, we would, but we're just talking about
0: the way yeah. it looks now, yeah. not yeah. when it's
2: happening yeah. in terms of like trades or free Definitely. agency actually. we're talking about in terms of what happened on draft night and yeah. what it looks like on paper right now yeah that's the mm-hmm. thing
1: yeah so we're gonna have to wait and see on that one but we're gonna toss it a break when we come back we are actually gonna go in depth on our draft recap so don't go anywhere we'll be right back Hey everyone, Zach here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you like the show, be sure to follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We share breaking news and updates that are going around the league, as well as show updates. You can find a link to our account in the description down below, or search Sins the Throwdown. Thanks so much for listening. Now here's the rest of the episode. and welcome back all right the nba draft is coming gone and based on our first segment we just talked about it it didn't go entirely according to plan for some teams or at least some fan bases however other teams had a really great night we are here to break it down on who who did the best and who did the worst so guys let's just start with the best out of all the teams in the lottery which one had the best pick
2: uh, I I personally think the Pistons had the best pick. When I when I really look at the fact that they were able to snag Jaden Ivey because the Kings passed up on him, I really think they just got a goal of mine right there. Because Jaden Ivey, to me personally, might be the best player in this draft for all we know. And he's definitely has one of the best skill sets out of anyone heading that was heading into this draft. So I cause I was looking at that, you know what, they might grab Keegan Keegan or they might grab um they might grab a uh, Benedict Mathurin. Like that's what I was like. I didn't think Jaden Ivy was actually going to be there for him. And the fact that the Pistons grabbed him and then, you know, what, eight picks later, they're able to also snag Jalen Duran in a trade as well. Mm-hmm. They honestly, uh, it was just a perfect night for them. But the fact that they were able to steal Jaden Ivey like that from from not only everyone else, but the fact that they got, because the Kings kind of screwed that up. I think they got the perfect piece that not only fits with their system,
0: but is also a
2: player, a key player that's going to actually fit well with Cade Cunningham.
0: Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. I, I, I think the Pistons here with a Jaden Ivy, just because when you look at what they did, they bring in a point guard that you can have and have him work with, uh, Kate Cunningham and you can have them fit more into like ideal roles and not have, cause last year, Kate had to be the magic man and, you know, make sure everything fell into place. But now if you get bring in two guards here with Ivy and Kate, I think they're, they would be very complimentary towards each other. And we've seen how guard combos have really dominated the league. And if these two, we already know what Cade can do, but if Ivy can, uh, you know, develop, uh, this could be a very scary tandem. And I've been very high on Jalen Duran too, uh, for them to make that move. I, I think they have a really good chance that that team could be a playoff team in the coming years. Uh, I think if developed right. You, you know, you have Casey still at, uh, as uh coach there. Um, you know, that's a good squad.
1: Yeah, I, I think the Pistons did a really good job of recognizing someone slipped out of the top four that wasn't supposed to slip out of the top four. Like, it, it felt like it was super obvious that the Kings were going to replace uh, Halliburton, but they didn't. So this, this made a lot of sense. But um I'm kind of split. Between the Pistons and the Rockets, because I thought the Rockets picking up uh, Jabari Smith was a really good pick within that lottery. I mean, granted, if you're in the top three, you're going to get a really good prospect. However, I feel like the Magic screwed up by choosing Banchero. He has a lot of question marks around him. But I feel like you know one team's loss is another team's gain. So like I'm I'm kind of like split fifty fifty on the Pistons and the Rockets. But I I gotta give credit for the Rockets because they could have gone a lot of different ways. And based on this first round that they did, they did go a lot of different ways. But that first pick in the lottery with Jabari Smith, I I gotta give them credit. They recognize that like we gotta grab him now. There is no chance that he's gonna be anywhere else. And you know we thought the Magic were gonna take him.
2: Mm. Uh, I mean. You know, I, I do agree with the idea that the fact that you guys got Jubari is incredible just because because you are a Houston fan, right? Though? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I might be a little biased, but I am truly split between which one in the lottery had the best pick. But both teams I thought did well, but I didn't but think it was going to be say, there.
2: <laughs> but I will say, I mean, yeah, that was the thing. You didn't think he was going to be there. So that's why it was also a great pick. too. You didn't, you know, we thought he was going to go. If he wasn't going to go one, he was going to go two. That's kind of what we all thought. but. He, he is a filthy player. He really is incredible. He's just nasty. I I absolutely love watching him. I think he's so aggressive. I think he's just a talented. And not gonna lie too. He's a really talented shooter. I think a lot of people don't also focus on that as much too. Because this is a guy who what shot not only forty seven percent from the field, but I think he shot forty percent from three as well. You know, and he's. He's just a monster. I think defensively, too, he's got that kind of aggression that is going to work well in the Houston system.
1: Yeah, and mm-hmm. I and I also think that, like, they need that sort of aggressiveness from a big man. I mean, yeah. Christian Wood, uh, we'll talk about that trade and stuff later. I loved Christian Wood. I thought he was a good player, but he just didn't quite fit the role that he needed to where Jabari Smith's going to come in. Yes, he is a rookie. However, he does have some of that grit, And a bit of a swagger, if you will, to like come in and like play that position. And I'm hoping that he plays well. I hope it translates from Auburn to Houston, because I watched him play at Auburn this year and he was just he played out of his mind most days. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I was amazed. I'm like, you don't really hear a lot about Auburn basketball unless, you know, you're talking about certain NBA legends, but recently Auburn's gotten a lot better. So I'm very excited to see what Jabari Smith can do on the court, but I'm also excited to see what Ivy can do in Detroit. So I think that's why I was totally split between the two teams, but let's Connor, any thoughts on the Rockets or do you want to get into the the wrong. oh uh, no,
0: I, I think I think the Rockets made a really good move. I mean mm-hmm. it was kind of almost a no brainer move. But for them to make that move and get Jabari Smith instead of, you know, I I feel like if they would have got Ivy, for example, uh that they would have had too many chefs in the kitchen. I think they got a pretty um heavy guard group right there. Uh so I don't know who would be like able to hold on to the ball there so uh, i think they made the right move and they got potentially the best player in the draft
1: yeah so let's talk about the team in the lottery that made the wrong move and i think i think we know where we're going here i think the listeners know where we're going but we definitely know where we're going um i think between the three of us it's the kings that made probably the worst move out of all the teams within the lottery. <laughs> they made yeah. the worst move because we talked about Jaden Ivy, how great of a player he's going to be. The Kings need to replace Halliburton, and, and they didn't do that with grabbing Ivy because he was, he was there. They went with Murray Um, Murray. I'm not knocking him as a player. I don't think he's a terrible no, player, yeah. but he just, doesn't fit in sacramento because you still have Barnes there you still got other guys there so it just didn't quite make sense even on paper to pick him up unless you're going to move him immediately i mean
2: he could this is the thing i do like him i really liked watching him last year and he really had turned around from his first year in college but to me you know it's just like now, in the mix him up with Sabonis, could work, but you have guard problems. You really do, because mm-hmm. you have Fox and you have Mitchell. But not going to lie, Mitchell still needs time to develop, and the best way also is to grab another guard in there just in case, you know? Because if you look at the rest of their depth chart, they really lack in guards. You're talking mm-hmm. about two guys right there, and then the rest suck, if we're really being honest, yeah. you know? Let's be brutal here. The rest of their guard situation sucks, and they kind of needed a guy like Jaden Ivey, not uh-huh. another forward. And I think that's where we realized that it was the biggest mistake because this is not what fits their team need right
0: now. Definitely. And I I feel like that that's their biggest issue. They always go for the guys that don't really fit their need. We think of last year with Davion Mitchell. We're like, why did they go Davion Mitchell? Uh, you know, they already got Tyrese and they already got Deere and Fox. And <laughs> then they move on from um, – Uh, Tyrese Halliburton and everyone's like that's such a dumb move now coming into this draft they're like okay uh let's let's try to have a guard in here so you can at least put yourself in position to fill that role of Tyrese and instead they um they go with Keegan Murray I mean Mm -hmm. one positive they did make was later in the draft they got Jaden Hardy in the second round yep which was a pretty solid pick but I I just feel like this team just always makes the wrong moves, and this is—it just doesn't bode well when you look at their history of just picking people uh, that you know one pick for superstars. You know they missed out on Luca, missed out on Damian Lillard, missed out on Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. You know they, they missed out on all these top players. Uh, so maybe oh, of
2: players too.
0: Yeah, the Hall of Fame players too. Uh, top. Well, you know, two of them top seventy-five esque. And then, you know, by the time top one hundred comes out, all three of these players will probably be there. So uh yeah, I, I feel like this one will be the same. Uh, but hopefully Keegan Murray can uh work well for the Kings.
1: He might also have like a Andrew Wiggins type situation where he's drafted high, doesn't work out for the original team. And then gets traded away and then suddenly wins an NBA championship. So <laughs> uh-huh. there's some hope uh-huh. for Keegan Murray. Don't worry, man. Uh, if you don't win it there, you could win it anywhere else. Just ask Andrew Wiggins. But let's talk about the best selection in the first round. And I think we're all on the same page here because I'm looking at the note sheet. So we all all, all are on the same page. Um, Jaden Ivy was probably the best selection. Uh, granted, there's a couple close, uh, close Mm -hmm. second and third. It's pretty tight knit for like the best three picks in this whole draft, but I got to give Detroit a lot of credit. They did their homework. The pieces fell in the place where they were able to grab Jaden Ivy. So good job, Detroit. You get it. You get a sticker. Like any thoughts? Uh, what more can we really say about Jaden Ivey at this well, point? Uh, like he, I, honestly, he, he, there's not the <laughs>
0: he has very good high guard
1: potential, and mm-hmm. you
0: know, and th- that's what you know. Obviously, you know, I think in other years he would probably be a top, you know, three pick, or you know, top, even potentially a top one pick, just because of the upside he brings with guard play. But we just had such a good collective top three and they were all power forwards that like, it just made sense to, you know, for him to be really the top guy for us and also for them to, you know, for it to be the top pick of the draft in our terms.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, there's just, I guess the ceiling is really high. Like the, the sky's the limit for Ivy, so good job uh, picking him, but good luck to Ivy, too. But was there, before we get into best of the night, worst of the night, um, was there any surprises you saw throughout the draft besides the ones that we mentioned? Because I was really surprised that Ty Ty Washington slid as far as he did. Yeah, but I was even really more fun. surprised that the Rockets traded to get him. Yeah,
0: it was a pretty surprising draft with slides. Uh, the the team I, I'm going to mention in a second, they got somebody um, like deep in the draft. That surprised me because he was like a top 20 pick. Um, but I'll leave that for the next section. But yeah, there there were a lot of drops. I mean, that's the thing. I, I feel like once you, especially in the NBA, uh, sometimes in the NFL, but like, with these top, like, 15 picks, we can kind of be like, okay, they're definitely going to be drafted in the top 15 or around there. There's no way they go in the top 30. But for, like, NBA, I feel like we have that issue where, like, there's so many talented guys between that 20 to 45 range that, honestly, you could see one go way high up or one fall way down to the 40s. Um, I don't know if you guys think the same in that regard.
1: I mean, like for for this draft, like I f-
0: any draft
1: on it. Yeah, like any dra- mm-hmm. anything can go on draft night. But I felt like in this draft, it was a little more I don't want to say chaotic, but like there was a lot more slides going on, a lot more movement going Mm -hmm. on. Like the fact that A.J. Griffin fell to 16 and the Hawks are like, oh, like we need to replace Cam Reddish. So (laughs) here we go. Like like he he was the guy I thought would have been gone in the top 10 and he was still there at 16. So I was Mm -hmm. I was pretty surprised by that one. Uh, Not a lot of surprises in like the second round. I will say I I was I didn't have one surprise in the
2: second round was Kennedy Chandler to me mm -hmm. a little bit to where he did, because I really think he's a talented player. And I think there is. I was just surprised, too, that Grizzlies. Grizzlies are the ones that have them now, too, just because. I don't think they have a need for him as well, but I felt like there were other teams early on, like late first round that could have grabbed him and would have fit perfectly. Cause I think he has that first round level type talent. I just am. I was surprised that he actually fell to the second round.
0: Yeah. Um, if you want, I, I can transition the other one. Cause I have my second rounder,
1: um, for the teams. Yeah. Uh, by all means, I, I guess we'll transition, uh, I'm trying. yeah what what do you got for your guy that was kind of a surprise and maybe we'll just tie the two in together
0: yeah so like the and this goes in with my team uh who had the best night I think the Pelicans had probably the best night out of all the teams just because they were able to get Dyson Daniels who fills the hole of guard that they needed but they also got EJ Liddell who fell into the second round Who, you know, I think is a solid fit for them could learn behind Zion, Uh, a guy who last season scored 19 points, had almost eight rebounds and two and a half assists uh, with also two and a half blocks. Uh, I think that's a great fit for them. He could be a great power forward, learn behind Zion. Uh, great off the bench guy, and I think he's going to add a lot of depth to that bench uh, in New Orleans um, with Dyson Daniels there. Uh, going to improve the guard play, kind of fill the hole that Lonzo left there a couple of seasons ago. Now um, I, I think both were great picks, uh, and I think that uh, they they were one of the two teams that I had winning the draft uh just because of those two moves.
1: All right, that's that's a good point to bring up too because the Pelicans did have a few holes they needed to fill. I I wouldn't say they they weren't like super pressing needs, but they definitely needed to fill them if they wanted to be mm-hmm. make a deeper playoff run and they still have all free agency too. So the Pelicans could be a really scary team heading into next season. So, Alex, what team did you think had the best night last night? or during the draft, not last night.
2: <laughs> well, I will say, though, Connor Pelicans, I will give you that because that is really great for depth purposes. It really is, and it really can prove to be a strong playoff future, uh, playoff push in the next couple of years, for all we know. Uh, when it comes to the best night of the draft, I really thought it was the Pistons at the end of the day. When you look at not only Jaden Ivey, who we have said was probably the best pick of the night out of anyone, possibly – it's also the fact that they were able to make a smart move and trade for Jalen LeRan. Because now when you look at this team on paper, you have Jaden Ivey, 20 years old. He's going to be about the point. You have Kay Cuttingham, who's what? 20, 20, 20, 22, right? Right around that mm-hmm. range. Same thing. He's also going to have a bright future, probably. You also have Sadiq Bay, who has been slowly developing, but he has proven. I mean, last year he had a 50 point game. We all saw that too. He has shown that he can make big, he can come up big in terms of, you know, late, late in the season. I will say late in the season. Sometimes people say it doesn't matter when you're that bad of the team, he's just going to go off, but it doesn't matter. He actually looks like he's going to be a bright star for that team as well. And then, you know, you have, if you're able to, re- to re-sign Bagley as well, who's also what? 23 years old. That's also solid. Cause you know, Bagley, Bagley just needs a chance. We all know that Bagley just needs an actual chance out there. But when you look at this team and then at the five, you were able to make a trade and bring Jalen Duran in that starting five right there. If you're able to bring back Bagley this off season, that starting five in the next three years has potential to be not only a playoff team, uh-huh. but possibly an Eastern conference finals contender. When you really look at that, that on paper yeah. is between the ages of, that's starting five between the ages of 18 to 23. You give them two to three years, probably three years the most to gel together and build the rapport together. They're actually going to have incredible chemistry and they all fit each other's needs. And that's what mm-hmm. Detroit needs right now to actually finally get back into a contending situation like they used to.
0: And they have a really good coach in Dwayne Casey, who's a former coach of the year. So it's not like, you know, he's a spring chicken either. You know, you have a really solid team and a guy who knows how to develop uh talent. So I, I totally agree with you there. Uh Detroit's going to be a scary team to come.
1: Yeah. Like for the Pistons, like they're finally getting pieces together and they're getting young pieces together where it's like, for them, it's like it's going to matter down the road that they made these moves now. Because like if they re-sign Bagley, the team's going to look a lot better too. Granted, I always say that like teams need like one or two veterans on it, and You know, uh, Jeremy Grant was not the veteran that they needed on that squad, but. They got Sadiq Bey. They got Cade Cunningham. If they get Bagley back, all of a sudden, this Pistons team looks a lot better in the next like two to five years. Like they're hoping to not only just get back into the playoffs, but you know, get back to, I guess, kind of the glory days of like the bad boys in Detroit. So Mm -hmm. hoping that. You know, it works out for them. Detroit really made a lot of great moves during the draft, but uh trying to be a little different on my pick. I thought the Rockets had a really good night, not just me being biased, but objectively speaking, they got Jabari Smith. Great. The guy that we thought was going to be gone at one was still there at three. Grabbed him anyways. And then you look at Tari Eason from LSU, a really great defender, which is something that the Rockets need a lot more of, especially if they're rebuilding the franchise, they got to add some defense. Even if you have question marks around Ty Ty Washington, he's still a better guard than some people would like to give him credit for. He doesn't need to step up right away, but if he's coming off the bench in rotation, that's a guy that you really want to see develop there. And I just thought that the Rockets did really well. They waited, you know, they made the move. They made the trade back in when they needed to, because they recognized a the guy was sliding, but they know they knew they needed to jump back in. So I thought that was a smart move. And they just focused on like what major holes that they had on their team, which was just getting like a power forward that could play along Jalen green, but also like getting some more defense and getting some more depth at the guard position, even if they all don't work out or like maybe it doesn't work out. There's all trading pieces at this point too. Cause like sometimes these teams are like, they get a guy and they're like, Oh, he's not really the best that we thought he was, but we could still get something from him. It's all assets at this point. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, your objective is to win it all. So but I thought the Rockets really did have a good night. There wasn't a lot I can really knock them for.
0: Yeah, the the Rockets. I mean, they they made the obvious move with uh, getting Jabari Smith, and I think along that, um, is kind of a move that it could help uh, build that team and help them go forward, especially since they're still kind of feeling the aftermath of having uh, James Harden there and Russell Westbrook there and kind of not they're in that full rebuild mode. But I think he could be that leader to step in and help uh, motivate this team to hit the next level. Yeah. uh, You know, Houston had a great night. They got Jabari,
2: like we said. But then also you guys ended up making a move to bring in ty Washington. And honestly, that was one of the biggest steals of the draft it really was especially that late because he does have the potential to be at least a top 15 caliber pick he really does he just needs I just think if this was maybe next year he would have been easily mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. he, he did jump the gun in terms of wanting to get into the draft this year but you know what he had to he had to at this point you know you want to take that chance now and he's still no matter what was a first round pick mm-hmm. I just I think when it comes to that Houston got an actual steal and a guy who actually has one of the better skill sets out of anyone in this draft of the guard. So that was huge right there. I think that's really where, you know, Jabari is the future and is a leader, but a guy like Ty Tai Washington is what helps build a, cha- a potential playoff contending championship caliber team. I think those picks late
0: are what helps to actually bring the team together. Mm-hmm. I, Ty Ty Washington kind of gives me Kobe white vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, that's the thing. He could be that star point guard, but I could also honestly see him be that six man for a, you know, a team mm-hmm. uh, that can compete. So like either way, even if he doesn't develop into superstar, i think at worst you're gonna get a guy who's gonna be a six-man uh type of candidate exactly and that's that's kind of what helps build the championship team at that
1: point it might be mono ginobili 2.0 but we'll see we'll see we're gonna toss this to break when we come back uh we're gonna go over some off-season moves we got a quick recap of those so don't go anywhere we'll be right back what's going on everyone lawrence patchman lang here President of the Sports and Sandy Network, just reminding you to go to our website, www.thesportsandsandynetwork, where you can read everyone's blogs here on the network and also find about the history of the Sports and Sandy Network. And welcome back from the break. All right, now that the draft's over and free agency is coming up, let's do a quick recap of some of the offseason moves we have already seen. First of all, Christian Wood has been traded from the Houston Rockets to the Dallas Mavericks. They exchanged that for the 26 pick in the 2022 draft. Boban Marjanovic, Sterling Brown, Trey Burke, and Marquise Chris all are going to the Rockets at 26 pick, ended up just being ty ty washington for the rockets because they did some other trades as well guys your thoughts on this trade because the rockets just got a bunch of additional veterans and stuff and the mavericks picked up a big man that they really needed
2: i i thought this this to me is just like mavericks got what they need that's it and then i like you said rockets got a lot in return it helps build a lot of death you know, branches out fills the needs you guys need especially veterans wise but at the same time one one thing that just all that just baffles me is how, how did christian Wood get to a point where he's worth this you know <laughs> just because christian what like you know what i mean it was it was a huge turnaround for him I, I just remember he was all right coming out of college like he was all right coming into the nba for a couple of years all right and then all of a sudden it was like honestly i don't want yeah, to i don't want to out games, there but it's like he took it PEDs, it's like he took pds and then all of a sudden exploded yeah. on the scene for a year everyone's like oh my god let's give him this kind of contract and then now he's worth this also in a trade it's just i just don't know where this yeah. came from this is a success it was story
0: <laughs> in uh, detroit because there were no superstars in detroit mm-hmm. so he had to fill in for that role and that's why jeremy grant kind of flowered into the you know value he is today it's just because like you know detroit when there's no other stars you're kind of forced into it But. Um, but even but that, even even artist. still, that
2: that year, we're sorry to interrupt you. But even still, that year when he exploded, first half of the year, he was complete garbage. He really was yeah. just average. And then all of a sudden, it's like he might have taken something that made him all of a sudden go on a string of 2010 games. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a Michael Jordan special stuff. (laughs) But uh, no, Christian Wood was that first year in Houston. He was borderline all star level. And then this previous year, he had some injuries. But when he was on the floor, he was performing a lot better than uh, I think a lot of people want to give him credit for. Despite the record, you know, it wasn't from a lack of trying per se. I can't say the same about the Magic, but the Rockets record is not from a lack of effort. But Christian Wood has really developed into like this, like, um, this big man that like people need, you know, like it's not, he's not the biggest name. However, you will get a lot out of him. So I think Mm -hmm. that's a really good trade for the Mavericks. He can also shoot the ball pretty well too, which is something that, you know, the Mavericks needed as well. They needed another guy who could shoot, but they also needed a big man and they got a two and one in Christian Wood. So I don't, I don't see an issue with the Mavericks doing for this for the Rockets. They got a bunch of veterans that they needed help train up these young guys. So I, I both sides, I think they mutually did good, but it's going to be hard to tell if the Mavericks go back to the Western Conference Finals with Christian Wood. But we will Thank see. You. I think
2: they need another strong piece, definitely complement
0: it, definitely.
1: But also, um, you just cleared up a bunch of not a lot of cap space, but you cleared up some, some cap space. Maybe just enough to keep, you know, Jalen mm-hmm. Brunson, or maybe bring in another big man. So we will have to see. Mm-hmm. Is there any other thoughts on this trade? Uh, you know, and I, I think all in all, it was a good
0: trade for both teams. I mean, for, uh, Dallas, you get a guy that you can team up with Luca who desperately needs talent. You don't know what's going to happen with Jalen Brunson. So at least having some type of talent there, um, is solid. You get rid of a late-round pick who I—I I mean, if you look at it, Ty Ty Washington maybe would have been a good fit to fill that role of Jalen Brunson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, looking from hindsight, you know, uh, but with the players that they did get, uh, you do have at least a decent a group of bench players now with experience. You know, they just came off of that Western Conference, uh, you know, finals appearance. So you have players that have experience make a long run. Even if this is just a one or two year fill, I think it's a good move. Get rid of that Christian Wood contract and kind of uh, yep. move from that failed experiment of, you know, Ola uh, Wood, and uh, who's the other guy I'm missing in this. Uh, but like it was a failed experiment and, uh, oh, and John Wall. Um, you know, that's the final piece that has to, kind of end with them mm-hmm. you know they're making the right moves and honestly Houston's uh rebuilds going faster potentially than we thought it would mm-hmm.
1: yeah just overall it's sad to see him go but he will do great for the Mavericks but let's move on to this other early draft day trade that happened Jeremy Grant Heads to Portland, the Pistons shipped him off for a 2025 first round draft pick, multiple second round draft picks throughout a couple of years. And Detroit also gets a $21 million trade exception. So I feel like at least for the Pistons, they kind of dump off Jeremy Grant, but they get a lot in return. Believe it or not, like I know the 2025 pick doesn't sound, you know, sexy, if you will, or the multiple second round picks, but that $21 million trade exception could be a huge factor for the Pistons.
0: Hey, they've been watching those freshmen. They're getting ready for those kids to come out. (laughs) I don't uh,
1: like this context anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, don't like this. <laughs> you know, I didn't like I, this
1: direction. I, I, always
0: was, I always thought it was funny, like trading, uh, you know, this is the only sport I see these picks get traded. You know, I always thought it was funny seeing um, the memes about OKC trading for a 2028 drowned pick, you know, trying to see who the best eighth grader is, you know, <laughs> doing that scouting. But honestly, when we look at this move, I, I, I don't think a franchise might confuse me more. And yeah, this Portland. is even more than, yeah, even more than New York Knicks and stuff. I think Portland confuses the hell out of me. You know, with all the moves that they made um, lat- this past off season, and we're like, oh, you know, maybe they're trying to add pieces to help Lillard. They get rid of McCollum, and now they got Lillard. You're t- or not Lillard. <laughs> They've had Lillard. Uh, <laughs> they got rid of McCollum. And they bring in Grant. Is Jeremy Grant really the guy that's gonna be the one to help you get over the bump? Is he really that guy that's you're like, oh yeah, you know what? Damian Lillard and Jeremy Grant, <laughs> Jeremy Grant as the number two guy on our team, that's a championship squad. Like <laughs> like what I mentioned just earlier. Pistons, these guys will like do well because there's nobody else. You know, uh that's why I'm kind of nervous about like some of the guys like Saban Lee and you know those type of guys uh, with Detroit are they really you know that good or is it just you know they're in a really really dog crap team so I'm really nervous uh, for Portland here Um, and let's not forget during the offseason or during uh, the middle of the season I feel like his market was more at just a first round pick if I'm not Served correctly so getting rid of a first Round pick or a couple second round picks uh, I feel like might be a little Bit too much but it's a team that's Desperate and I Don't think this is a good enough move To keep Damian Lillard in Portland yeah no Dame,
2: Dame is getting pissed now <laughs> yeah. Probably if he doesn't get what He wants in this offseason he's Just that he's gonna want to go but I didn't like this move for Portland I really didn't just because a team that should Have traded for Jeremy Grant is a team that needed him maybe as a third or fourth scoring yeah. option. Yeah, when yeah. you really look at it. that makes sense. A team that's yeah. like well built in terms of not only you have your big man as your defense pieces, but then this should have been Jeremy Grant is like a guy who either you want him as a six man or yeah. as your third scoring op third scoring option, especially at least on on a playoff contending team, but on a team like Portland that just has all these troubles, all these problems, and then not gonna lie like they are confusing at that point honestly keep like why you know you got rid of McCollum all this time like you know you got rid of McCollum why then that just made no sense then at the end of the day that you did all this just to bring in Jeremy Grant at the end of the day like what like like months later that that
1: doesn't add up we don't understand the Portland master plan that that's all I can say right
0: now I I think the debate I'm happy one thing I think they did well on though is there were rumors saying they would get rid of the seventh pick to Yeah. try to get Grant. If they would have got rid of the seventh pick, they would have oh. looked like the biggest idiots in all of the NBA. And we, uh, and it's the same league as the Knicks too. So like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like I, I just feel like it's a really dumb move by them. Um, but I want to hear uh, I want to hear Zach's opinion on this because I know Jeremy Grant's a Syracuse guy, so he might hold them in higher regard. So like. Than we did. So, like, my
1: thing about Jeremy Grant is that I like Jeremy Grant as a player. I don't think he's, like, a superstar. Like, Mm -hmm. I thought he would have stayed on Detroit for another year or at least half a season and Mm -hmm. get traded. But, like, the Pistons, you know, still needed uh, a bit of veteran leadership on that team because they're still young. However if you're Detroit and Portland's giving you a 21 million dollar mm-hmm. trade exception with a 2025 first round draft pick and multiple second round draft yeah I'm going to ship off Jeremy grant too like you know a lot of love for my Syracuse guys but uh bye bye <laughs> but
0: like, I, I see an article from April where they're like is Jeremy grant a journeyman or a
1: star and like honestly he <laughs> might just be a glorified and journeyman he might be a well-known journeyman which um but yeah. I'm hoping that like maybe he maybe this might be a move where it's like Portland just gets him and then they ship him off because of like certain mm-hmm. finances and caps and stuff I wouldn't be surprised if like maybe halfway through this upcoming season by the trade deadline they get rid of Jeremy Grant too because Lillard had enough and then he leaves so uh very confused by Portland uh, the uh, New York Knicks of the West, uh, very confused by them. But um, mm-hmm. um, overall, great trade. Not great, but good trade for Detroit. Uh, very mm-hmm. confusing trade for Portland. But, you know, maybe they got bigger fish to fry. So we maybe they oh. haven't finished all their moves yet. But let's get into this last one. Uh, Kyrie Irving and the Nets. Yes, we're bringing them up again. Currently, there's no deal in place for Kyrie Irving to come back to the Nets in the Discussions have been described as incriminous. There is a strong possibility that there is a sign and trade for this free agency. Would this be a bad move for the Nets or not? Considering that Kyrie only played in about like, a fraction of all the games this year because of COVID vaccine oh. mandates and Kyrie being unvaccinated and then letting down his team in the playoffs uh, by being the only team that got swept in the entire playoffs. Um, bad move for the Nets, or maybe not. Maybe the Nets are just tired. You know,
0: Nets
2: are just tired of being the Nets at this point, honestly. The Nets,
1: the Mets, the Jets, it it all rhymes. (laughs) (laughs) Mediocrity (laughs) ends with (laughs) ETS.
2: But you know what? Honestly, they just... I think the Nets just keep shooting themselves in the foot now mm-hmm. with all the decisions that have been made these past couple of years. And honestly, Kyrie goes, so is KD. KD is not saying. He mm-hmm. has made that very clear that he most likely will not be in Brooklyn if Kyrie is not there. The thing is, mm-hmm. would he team up with somewhere else or would he just go to a different team? I don't know. But. You're about to lose. If you lose this superstar, you're about to lose your other superstar. And at that mm-hmm. point, you're going to have to go through a whole rebuild, and you're not in a position, really, to have a successful rebuild as and, of right and now. And
0: what's the only piece left on their team after Kyrie and KD's gone? Who's the own the lone superstar? It's Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. And you can't move that money because nobody wants his contract. Nobody yep. knows if he's going to play or not. And that that puts you in such a bad position. And, uh, you know, you got Steve Nash in here, who's just coming off of his rookie season as a head coach. You don't really know if he's a viable head coach for the future. You know, they have, they're really in a bad spot. And you lose to, you know, you got rid of, uh, you got rid of Harden. uh, Harden, yep. And you got Ben Simmons in return, hoping that would keep, you know a big three of mm-hmm. some type there but if they were to lose both of those guys man this team is in a bad spot and I don't know if you could get in a worse spot than what they got when they made that trade for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce yeah Um. but and Jason Terry but honestly this could be the modern day version of that because uh, they are going to be in a really really bad spot if they're you know if they're stuck with just Ben Simmons. And
2: if you're forced to have, let's say you trade these guys and you bring in other pieces, doesn't matter. This mm-hmm. most likely means that Ben Simmons is going to have to be the leader, which he can't be a leader. When we actually look at that at the end, that he yeah. is not a leader for a team, and he's not by any means a great teammate as well. And we all saw yeah. that. So I think the fact that that's going to be your leader, Ben Simmons, who refused to come out and play at all, not only this season, like when when after the trade was made, but also refused to come out in the playoffs at all either. Like, oh, yep, we're really? done, we're done. Oh, I have back soreness, whatever, or muscle soreness, whatever excuses yeah. came up with. You have one of the worst teammates and one of the worst potential leaders as your number one option now if these two go. And that's yeah. just the worst situation to be in. And honestly, the Nets, if this happens, the Nets are just
0: a complete joke. What be leverage do they the really have, too, in a side and trade? They don't really have much. Cause, no, you know? they don't. Like, there's and just... You know what the most interesting part about all this? Let's not forget a couple seasons ago when both guys were just sitting on the bench and were like, dude, next year, man. This team's going to be blown (laughs) off and we still have never seen that blow off where we're like, wow, they're, you know, it's Kyrie and KD. This is such a super team. Like, you know, when that move happened, we're like, wow, this is going to be an interesting, you know, dynamic, but it just never panned out.
1: Yeah. uh, At this point, this, the full potential, what this was, it's just never going to be. So that's, um, that's really disappointing if you're a Nets fan, but, um, i don't know what else to really say i mean if you don't sign them if you don't sign them back you lose kd but if Uh you do sign them back you get to retain what you have but then you don't have any assets if people just decide Uh to change their mind anyways so i think that's a really tough struggle for the nets if your nets management it's like do we give Kyrie the money if we do you know we might be screwed in the long term but if we get sign and trade him. You know, there's a chance that we can kind of recover from this failed experiment and then, you know, unfortunately you're going to have some really bad years because you don't have a lot of assets and then your number one option now is um is Ben Simmons. So I think I think that's a really big concern for the Nets. They're they're kind of on a balancing act right now. So we're going to have to, the Nets are just going to have to play it smart and, you know, hope that things fall their way, but we're going to toss it to break. When we come back, we're going to do our NBA free agency predictions. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
2: Adopt us kids presents what to expect when you're expecting a teenager learning the lingo, jelly, jelly adjective. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say
1: jealous as in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case.
2: You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org, brought to you by the U.S. Department of
1: Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. And welcome back. All right, we're into the final segment. We're going to be talking about the NBA free agency that's coming up very soon. We got our predictions in. We're just going to see what happens with this free agency because it has a potential to be one of the craziest signing periods that we've seen in a long time in the NBA. So first of all, guys, who do you think the biggest name on the market is right now? To me, it's DeAndre Ayton, no
2: matter what, at the end of the day, I mean, people can make any comment they want about, Oh, with Kyrie Tesla blah, blah, blah. doesn't matter. DeAndre Ayton is one of the most dominant players in the league. And not only that, he is also an elite center and one is the most easily dominates down low. He has this incredible energy. And we saw in the playoffs, regardless of their second round exit, there was one player that no matter what was going off in the playoffs room. And it was Aiden. he was just a dominant player. There is no answer for a guy like that. And to me, any team that gets him
0: is going to be a championship team. huh. Oh, definitely. Uh- I feel like with his size and his mm-hmm. the moveset and stuff, but let's not forget he's still a very young player. Um, and I, I feel like on the right squad, he, he could really um, be a like impactful player. player. Yeah. And also, yeah, like he could really be like, I, I talked about last season. He could be like an MVP type candidate if on the right team. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I I feel like a lot of that comes down to uh, what other teams have put in place. Like I thought at first, you know, maybe the Knicks could be there. But like now with the moves that they made, I I don't know. I'm really curious on what team could make that move for him. And uh, with, you know, the Knicks not getting Jalen Duran, there is that chance that they could be going for him. Uh, I, I just, man, it's really tough, honestly, uh, who he could fit for, uh, but whoever he joins, uh, will be a, um, tough team to be honestly, Mm -hmm. and could be put in a position where, uh, a team that is outside of that conference final competing team could be, uh, that with, uh, this eight, eight in addition.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm a I'm in agreement with you guys. Aiden is probably is the biggest name currently right now in the market because okay. he's a guy that plays really well. He is a guy. He's a center that can really bully other centers, and that's very hard to find. So. <laughs> On the free market, he should be able to get a max contract. The fact that the Suns were not able to get him back is really bad on the Suns part. But, you know, one team's loss is another team's game. But he could fit into a lot of different teams and fit into a lot of different playbooks. And he'd still be able to produce probably the same numbers that he did in Phoenix. So it's going to be really interesting to see where he goes testing the waters. But I think uh, if he walks away with anything less than a max contract, he better be on a team like the golden state warriors. But, yeah, but
0: <laughs> actually, one of the teams that I, I just kind of, because I was looking through a bunch of articles about teams, one that actually interests me and I want to hear your guys thoughts is San Antonio uh, with Dejounte Murray there. Uh, and also Pop still being there, I that would be a very interesting fit to see DeAndre and play for San Antonio. I'm not feeling that. I am. What do you think, Alex?
2: I mean, it would be a great move for San Antonio. I'm just, I'm, I'm more curious on with the type of attitude and personality that Aiton has. Would it mix well with Pop? That's right. Yeah. That, that's that's right. my that's my only worry is his at his the attitude mm-hmm. and. His aggressive nature, like how does that fit well with Pop's system? Because you know yeah, Pop is not well, used really to a player like that. God, but I I, I, I do think would San Antonio look like a much better team one if they have him in this next year. He's as a healthy year, of course. But I, it just to me, it's more about that part, his chemistry
1: with learning okay. and Pop's system as well. Not only that. San Antonio's not really close to winning an NBA championship. I feel mm-hmm. like Aiden has that chip on his shoulder where it's like, Oh, I still need a ring to prove my worth. So I, I don't think like San Antonio would be like the best spot if he wants to go and win a championship, but also mm-hmm. be compensated. so I, I think that's like, it, it may be if it was like, you know, the Spurs that we knew in the 2010s, that'd be a different story. But uh the the Spurs right now I feel like that would not be at the top of my list but that's just me. But let's talk about a guy that might go under the radar in free agency considering there's a lot of factors still to be determined about what goes on. There could be a few guys that just kind of fly under the radar. So um uh, Alex, do you got a guy that you might go under the radar here?
2: Yeah, I think if this guy you know, goes off to another team, I think that he'll have success anywhere. And I think the guy that a lot of people should be focusing more on is a guy like Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson, to me, is one of the more underrated guys out there. And not just that, he's also has the potential to be easily a 20 a twenty point scorer, just like that. And not going to lie, when you look at what he did last season, not only did he shoot 50% from the field, 37% from three, he's just a walking bucket. That's really what he is. He's just a really talented player, a walking bucket, and he knows how to run an offense at this point. He can be anything that a team needs. Is he the biggest athletic guy out? Is he the best athletic guy out there? No, not by any means. But is he a really talented offensive player that can know how, who can easily handle managing an offense, no matter what team he's on? Yes. And is he a guy that's going to guarantee you potentially when he becomes a one or two option on a team? Could he be a guy that gets you 20 to 25 points per game? Possibly. That's the kind of potential I see him having. He's gonna be one of those elite sh- score, uh, shooter score type guys. I think he has that potential. And I think any team that gets him will be getting one of the biggest steals of free agency.
0: Connor, who do you got for your guy? Um, I, I'm going a little bit kind of left field here. Um mm-hmm. I'm based off more of like a good quality player. I'm more uh, going off of one of the best sayings is the best uh, talent one could have is availability. And Kavon, uh Kavon Looney, uh, he played in every single game this season including all of the playoffs and the regular season and I think that's just a good talent in itself. To have a guy who's available uh, could play a huge part in any team's uh, chances of having a very good season. So if you can get a guy like Kavon Looney, who is available and could be that guy off the bench, uh, I think that could have a huge impact. I know he's not like a big superstar name, but as an under the radar type of guy, he could play a huge part in a championship team. And we saw that uh, very apparent during a lot of this uh, postseason run
1: yeah uh, he definitely played a big role like both of the guys you mentioned played a big role in the playoffs and that's definitely going to help their chances of getting signed i know for for my guy it may not seem like a very good answer or a very obvious answer but i'm going with bradley beal he did not have the best season that he did uh his future with you know, DC is up in question and that might cause him to go under the radar, so to speak, where it's like, people just kind of forget that he is a free agent. And then all of a sudden he signs a big deal somewhere else, but also like Bradley Beal can still produce. And I think he's getting to that point in his career where he wants to be able to do more than just, you know, show up play. Like, I think he wants to go win a championship. So I, for me, it's like, he might go under the radar, radar, especially if like other names start entering free agency. Like, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant or other guys who are just going to lop out maybe Zach Levine, too. I feel like Bradley Beal would just get lost in the mix, but he's still going to be signed somewhere no matter what. Like, this is not a guy that is going to go unnoticed completely, but he might get overlooked compared to, like, some of the other options out there. But
0: no. um, Bradley Beal is just a monster. So, it, you know, I... I think having the scoring ability that Bradley Bradley Beal has, it could be a
1: very important tool for any team. Um, Let's go into this question really quick. Uh, Which team has the most to gain in free agency? Basically go big or go home or, you know, really just grab all the guys that they can and see if it works well. Like, I
0: think the biggest team that has to gain is, I mean, I'm going to name two, uh, two for different reasons. Uh, One of them is the Knicks because, you know, with the move that they made where they got those three picks, uh, they they have a lot to gain. And, you know, with the New York market, they got some cap space opening up. This is a perfect time for them to kind of step in and trying to make that push. Uh, You know, we were making fun of them for the move. that. Uh, But if they can get a superstar like Donovan Mitchell or DeAndre in or somebody to fill the holes that they have, that could be a huge thing. And then uh, the other team I want to mention briefly is uh, Utah Jazz. Uh, If they're able to move on from Mitchell and uh, Gobert uh, and they're able to get a good return out of this, uh, this could be a huge free agency for them. Um, whether it be through sign and trades or just kind of signing some pieces that they uh, could have for their team, um, going forward without their potentially losing one or both stars.
1: And that That's a good point too. Is like the Knicks is they're in the New York market. It's a big market, uh-huh. but they also have a lot of places to fill and spots to fill. So really just you know the knicks need to do something otherwise they're just going to have another bad season but alex uh any teams that have the most to gain from free agency yeah i mean really when i was
2: looking at it too is that kind of you know we talked about around but i think t- detroit with the moves they made have a lot to gain from free agency you know they're in a better position to just keep filling in more gaps and building more depth and they have they, they have more to gain because they can easily go after an under-the-radar type of veteran player mm-hmm. that can actually be. You know, we talk about, like, they need maybe a veteran, but you can go after a few veterans. With the situation they have, cap situation they have right now, they can afford to go after a few under-the-radar true veteran leaders that can actually help these guys grow over the next few years. And then once you move on from those guys, your guys are already developed. They've already become veterans at this point, and they can continue to move forward and be a potential playoff team. I think Detroit, with the moves we saw, not only on paper does their starting five, if they bring him at Bagley, look like a great lineup in three to four years, but also, you know, take into account that free agency is about to happen with any guy that they grab, if they can get certain veterans on cheaper deals too, it's just more about a bridge period and a learning lesson for a lot of those young, talented players. You know, when you look, those guys are between the ages of 18 and 23, those guys right now in Detroit. And I really think that Detroit has a lot more to gain because they made the right moves to put themselves in the position to afford more veterans now
1: yeah and that's a that's a good point it's like the jazz need help but also like they need to move on from certain pieces but when they do move on that cap space is going to be there and that's going to help them out but they definitely are going to need some help but they do have a lot to gain if they do make the right signings but i i think for me the team that has like the most uh quote unquote gain from like free agency. There's a lot of teams with a lot of cap space, but I think the Pacers would stand well to use some of their cap space and bring in talent. Cause like you got rid of some bonus, right? You got rid of some bonus brought in Halliburton, you got miles Turner fully invested into the Pacers. Now, now is the time to spend some money and get some more veteran pieces or maybe another star on the team and hopefully get the Pacers back up into the playoffs because We've seen the Pacers, um, you know, waste talent sometimes, but it feels a little different. Cause like miles Turner is really bought into the program that they're selling, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, And like, he is going to buy into the Pacers now because like Sacramento gave up on him. So now he's going to invest in there as well. So I, I think for Indiana, it's really important that this free agency period, like sure you can, you know, spend as much as you want, But, you know, be mindful of what you spend and be smart about what you spend. But that's a team that I think could really gain the most from this free agency period. But let's flip the question a little bit. Which team can't afford to lose their current players now? um, um, Me and Connor have the same answer, but I will let you go first here because you have a different answer. And I definitely want to hear this. To me,
2: the one team that can't afford to really lose any of their players is the Bulls. When I look at the situation right now, they are coming off not only a playoff year. They, this was their first successful year in, what, seven, seven years probably? Seven, eight years maybe? Seven years probably? And when I really look at that, why would you want to give up on that? Because Zach Levine, to me especially, is not only one of the best players out there that's going to be available, but if you lose him, you're losing one of the most elite athletic players explosive two guards that this league has seen in the past couple of years. He is, he has averaged not only 23 plus points per game the last four years with the bulls, but he is such an efficient shooter and scorer. He's a talented three point shooter. He's talented down low. He can shoot from anywhere on the court, no matter what. And he's a great free throw shooter as well. And then when I take into account his athleticism A lot of people had this belief that maybe he's just a guy that his stats are meaningless because it's just a bunch of empty stats if you don't get anywhere. Well, this year, the Bulls finally got to a point where they had a successful season. And for the first half of the year, we all saw them right at the top right there. They really were. And of course, things happen late in the season, but it doesn't matter. This was the first turnaround season for them in seven, eight years. And if you lose a guy like that, who is your especially who is At the very true core of that team and their chemistry, in my opinion, then it's all going to fall apart because DeMar DeRozan just came off somehow a career year. Maybe he's taking something like Christian Wood. We don't (laughs) know. But at the same time, DeMar DeRozan is also up there in age. This could easily be like he had his career year. Now he could be on the decline as well. And then you kind of lose out. If you lose out on Zach Levine here, you can't afford to go anywhere in the playoffs with this team, and especially we don't know this whole situation with guys like Lonzo and Kobe White. Just because Lonzo has been on what three teams in the last four years, you know, when you look at it too, he could be a guy that wants to go as well eventually too. This this free agency matters for them if they wow. don't bring back Levine. Because then, if they don't bring back Levine, I could see easily a few of these guys going over the next couple, next year probably. Mm-hmm. Forced re- again, even though this is the first time you're actually back into a serious playoff contending mix again.
1: Yeah, the, I think the Bulls yeah. realize um, how important it is to bring Levine back because he's come in the face of the franchise and now, you know, now you actually have like a lot of pieces. They did a lot of signing last year. Now is the kind of proof it. We saw this with like Giannis and the Bucks before they won the championship. Kind of a similar situation where the Bulls are like, we're invested. We brought guys in. We would like for you to sign this like long deal. So that way we could go and win a championship together. And I think that's something that uh, the Bulls need to do. And hopefully Levine listens. I feel like Levine, unless he went to. Like a already established title contender, the Chicago might be the best place for him to stay.
0: Definitely, because Chicago does want him there, and I—I I mean, the team last year was very solid. I think a lot of it just came down to inexperience together. Uh, yep. I feel like if given another chance, I think this could be an Eastern Conference team, uh, a championship team, or at least appearance team. Um, I I think they just need that year or two under their belt together.
1: Yeah, that that's definitely something that they need. It's like it takes time to gel. We said all season at the first half of the season, it's like oh they're gelling really well, and then the inexperience kind of showed up. But mm. uh, let's talk about. Our answer, Connor, because we both have the same team. We mentioned it before, but it, it it's the Brooklyn Nets. They can't afford to lose oh. Kyrie and Katie. That would be disastrous for them. As we mentioned before, all you're left with is Ben Simmons. And that, that's really it. And he's not a leader. So that makes it even worse for oh, the man. Nets. It's like, but you can't afford to lose Kyrie and Katie. That's the only thing that's going to keep you relevant right now, at least until you get some assets back. But I, I think for the Nets, it's like it's important to resign them because like, they do want to play together, which is like something that you have. And a full season with Kyrie, KD, and Ben Simmons maybe would probably be way better than what the opposite would be. Mm-hmm,
0: definitely. Uh, I, I think that Nets team is going to be in a very, very bad spot. And that would be like at least a five-year rebuild if they lose both of their players. <laughs>
1: But um we also know too that like there's interest in KD leaving the Nets. Uh Damian Lillard posted on his Instagram uh that a post, it was like a Photoshop edit of Damian Lillard and Kevin Durant, both in Trailblazers jersey. So there's a lot of interest. If they break up the band, there's gonna be a lot of interest in trading KD away. And uh Damien's hoping that it is that Portland's one of those places. So we're gonna to have to. Wait and see on that front, but let let's jump down into this question here. Is just name one player that we are expecting to be with a new team this year, Donovan.
2: Uh, yeah, you go first, Alex. Donovan. No matter what, Donovan is not going to be in Utah. I don't care. It does. It it's. It might not even. If it's not the Knicks, it doesn't matter. He wants to be in New York no matter what. But even if the Knicks aren't the ones to get that trade, it's going to happen regardless because Donovan 100% will not be a Utah jazz you a member of the Utah jazz anymore. He just absolutely hates Gobert and he hates that environment. And he really has had enough of it. Same thing with the way Snyder's had enough of it. He just wants out. Even if they got rid of Gobert, it doesn't matter. At this point, Donovan is gone. It 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 really just comes down to which team. Now, granted, we say Knicks. Knicks has all, have always been a strong possibility the past few weeks for him, especially considering the Knicks now have made moves where they can trade away a few draft picks. Now, that would be great for the Knicks if they make that move, and it really shows like the Knicks want to truly build a contending team, and this is the best way to do it. But even if it's not the Knicks, he's going to go to a big market no matter what. And at the end of the day, he absolutely hates the Utah jazz now and hates a strong word probably, but I think it fits for the way he feels and the animosity towards what that franchise is kind of how that franchise has affected him these last three years.
0: Definitely. Uh, that would be an interesting fit. Uh, uh, what do you think? Um, Zach, do you think that Donovan Mitchell would probably be best fitted with the Knicks or, Do you see like another team?
1: I feel like the Knicks make sense because they want to Mm. invest in him. So at least (laughs) there's that mutual respect where it's like, hey, we really like your play style. You know, you're from White Plains, New York. Like, you're a native of New York State. It's like, like we want to invest in you, build a team around you, do it your way versus like what he's been experiencing in Utah. And I think that would be a good move for the Knicks to make, you know, it'd be a good move for the Knicks, get some favor back with the fans, but also show the league that like, Hey, we're taking this title building seriously. Like we went and grabbed Donovan Mitchell. So I think that'd be a good one. But Connor, uh, who's your guy for this question?
0: Uh, I, I, it's definitely Kyrie for me, just because the bridge has already been burned for a minute. They were trying to like get rid of him a while back uh, when all this COVID issue came and when he was available and when he wasn't available. So there, I, I just don't see him there. He He's a headache for that team. <laughs> the two teams that I think out of the ones that he mentioned that he wants to go to um, make the most sense to me just because I think they have the most assets that they could do for like, um, you know, like a type of sign and trade, um, were the Clippers. Uh, I think him, Paul George and Kawhi would be a great, uh, you know, big three. Uh, I think they have the assets that they could move to, uh, potentially get him uh and then the other team that i think he would be a great fit for would be the Miami Heat uh you know with him with Jimmy Butler and mm-hmm. Bam Adebayo i think that would be what could help them get over the edge on the eastern conference uh you know you could uh, move a guy like Duncan Robinson who you already have out of the rotation add a couple other players in there in picks. and yeah in picks and you would leave yourself in a position where you have three amazing stars. You have a deep enough bench where, if you lose a couple players, then you'll still be fine. Uh, so I, I think Miami might be the pick I see happening uh, the most.
1: Yeah, I mean, like Kyrie can go anywhere, and it. it it seems like at this point now it would uh it would be hard to justify you know keeping him at this point and it's, especially if there's tension between him and management he might leave during the season anyways he might request a mid-season trade so i mm-hmm. i think for Kyrie like he's very versatile he's proven he can win on multiple teams mm-hmm. so i i don't think it'd be hard to ship him around anywhere
0: uh i also think too the lakers would be an interesting fit too i just they would have to try to move Russell Westbrook but and i don't think they have really the bench to deal with having you know those max contracts between lebron anthony davis and Kyrie. you would probably have to move anthony davis Mm -hmm. in some type of effort to try to free some cap um even with a move of russell westbrook yeah no lakers as much as
2: Kyrie is a talented player no matter what at the end of the day it's just it will put us in a very bad situation financially. Yeah. And it really would screw the team up a little bit, and I think the team can't afford can't afford a move like this right now. They just and they also, not gonna lie, in terms of assets too, they have shot themselves in the foot yeah. these last year and a half in terms of making sure you have assets to trade, especially when it comes to picks, which there barely is any, and then when it comes to actually talented players who now. Guys have lost value after this last year, so it just makes it a worse situation. I like, though, Connor, your Heat one, just because when you look at that, it's a team that not only is built to win now over these next few years, but they also can afford to lose pieces. They can afford to ship off Duncan Robinson, a couple other young guys, and a couple picks. And maybe three picks, for all we know, for Kyrie, if they want to go crazy. But one thing is, they I personally would not no matter what not ship off tyler hero no matter what mm-hmm. that is a guy you want as your sixth man guarantee 24 because he would fit very well with a guy like Kyrie. and i really think you can get a they're a team that can get away with shipping off a f- few first rounders and maybe duncan Robinson and another player for Kyrie. they have the assets they are ready to win now and you can afford to do it while so you know not gonna lie at the at the at the one position, they really slack too. They, you know, Kyle Lowry's done for. He is okay. done for. Gabe Vincent to me isn't really like uh, just his name alone doesn't seem like a guy who's gonna I rely on. So I think Miami uh-huh. that'd be a great move for them now. Clippers though, I am iffy on just because let's say Paul George and Kawhi deal with their injury problems again, I can't guarantee on Kyrie being a good leader for that team yeah. when those two go down. That's my biggest worry is that. When the, If those two go down again because of injuries, would you really trust Kyrie to lead the team based on his experience these last three years? That's my only biggest worry. But to me, the best team is the heat for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, like we said before, Kyrie can go and fit in a lot of places. and But the question of leadership is really a big question mark. For a lot of teams that want to make a move on Kyrie, but we still know at the end of the day, if Kyrie wants out of the out of Brooklyn, he's going to get out of Brooklyn. Okay. So um, my guy, DeAndre Aiden, I feel like the bridge has been burned, not totally burned, but it's been enough to where it's like, I don't think he's going back to the Suns because they couldn't get him on a max extension Uh, So I really think that he's just going to end up somewhere else, kind of going back to like who has the cap space available, because I don't think DeAndre Aiden would take anything less than the maximum. So there's a lot of teams that could use his services. Um I know we mentioned Detroit possibly picking up Aiden, which would be a huge pickup for them. Probably it would help accelerate the rebuild process. There's just a lot of teams that Aiden can go and fit in and contribute in as well. Maybe it goes to Portland to the team up with that, you know, combo of Lillard and grant, you know, that big combo, but a lot of teams have to figure out the cap space first to see if they want to even go after Aiden, but Aiden's not going back to the suns. I'm just keeping my answer short and sweet. They pretty much just. You know, burned the bridge there. So now the Suns have to find a way to replace them. But guys, any final thoughts of free agency whatsoever? Uh, One
0: one move I'm really interested in is, you know, we talked about it earlier, but Bradley Beal. uh, As we're recording this, he still hasn't really made it apparent what his move is. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think leaving, you know, the Wizards in general would just be a very poor, you know, move. Like I it's a good move for his game, but I think the way he's just been teetering back and forth on if he's gonna sign or not, I think by leaving Washington that would just be a really bad taste in the mouth of that city. Uh I, I think it would just be, you know, not not good. But Imagine if somehow they were able to make a move and bring him to Boston. Um, Because I I know he has ties to Jason Tatum and has ties to Boston. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I just think that would be an interesting landing spot for him and could really help that team get to that next level. And, you know, I I know it's a championship team, but, you know, they were so close to taking down the Warriors. If they just have that extra player. Who knows? Um, but you know, they could be a team that just doesn't do anything and they'd be totally fine.
1: Yeah. that That's one guy. that's like, he can really make or break a lot of teams of future plans, depending on what he does. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's going to do it for us this season. Thank you all so much for listening. It's been a very long NBA season, but it's been a lot of fun. Very exciting. Um, Make sure to follow the social media accounts for show updates, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. There'll be some announcements coming up in a few weeks about the future of the show. And if you really like it, please let us know in the comments and tweet at us and stuff. It's been really fun doing this show. I can't lie to you guys. It's been fun covering the NBA all season long. but. Definitely. Any final thoughts for this
0: first season? Oh, it's been a blast. It's gone by really fast. I mean, uh, thirty-seven episodes in the books. Um, you know, maybe there's a couple, you know, hidden episodes that never got published because of different stuff that happened, <laughs> like missed, uh, messed up recordings. But that's how stuff works. Um, you know, it's been an up and down roller coaster. Um, it's been a blast working with you guys and. Um, you know uh, hopefully we can continue to work on different stuff in the future together yeah no it was a
2: great season overall i think we had incredible content uh we really f- you know worked well feeding off each other too and you know, i'm gonna miss it for the time i'm gonna miss it these next couple of weeks but you know what at the end of the day it was such a fun time doing this with you guys and it really was a blast especially considering we had an incredible one of the this is one of the first seasons I've been excited for in a while too. So this is this was just a great season to do this with.
1: It was the 75th NBA season it was a great season to cover there was a lot going on uh I haven't been this excited for an NBA season in a long time too maybe since like 2016 like that season that whole season so this was a very uh very exciting season for everyone involved if you've been paying attention it was a lot of up and downs a lot of drama action-packed moments so it was fun to cover so thank y'all for listening to us and uh giving us the opportunity to talk about the nba and hopefully um we were more right than some of the other guys that get paid a lot more (laughs) to do this but uh that's gonna do it for us go enjoy your summer and we will see you all later it sound right
0: boy